So welcome to episode 16 of Rethinking Trauma and Transition, where we have our very special guest and friend, Cody Cudworth from Priority Mind Management. I love how you're reading all the stuff in the background as if I am the best friends, Rich. I love that. We are. <laughs> Not at all photographic memory, our Rich has, don't you, Rich? <laughs> so would you like Thank to give our listeners and viewers a little bit about yourself, Cody? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm a mind management coach. Um, I coach people from where they are uh, and uh, past anxiety, stress, uh, depression, um, which is quite a broad genre to, to be working in. And as we were talking, I, I don't niche because I've been working with kids to adults to ladies to men. Um, and I've been... Would I say successful? No, but I've, I've had a lot of big wins... I never went looking for working with, with trauma clients, um, but it turned out a lot of the anxiety that people had had come from, we were going through conversations about trauma and things like that. And I was like, right, wow, okay, fantastic. And I loved, I love the title of your show, your podcast, which is Rethinking Trauma and, and the Transition. Because Rich, we have known each other for quite a while, because I had you on, on my radio show a while ago. Yeah, and well, we first introduced on Orlando's NLP thing, wasn't it? absolutely yes i'm a big fan of nlp but i will what i will say is mind management is is much more than nlp that the, the whole kind of training that we do with with all our coaches at priority mind management is is so much more than nlp because a lot of people are saying well what's the difference between mind management nlp cognitive behavioral therapy um and i'm like we've we've kind of fused and created some new modalities that we use with our clients to get them moving forward and that's why we created mind management at Pri well, priority mind management in all fairness. And the tools that we used, it's funny because a lot of the coaches that come in and say, oh, I've used it and it works. And I'm like, of course it works. It moves people forward. It helps them shift their perspective, change their, their understanding. It helps them with transition, using your words, Ali. Mm -hmm. So what was it in particular that caught your eye about our podcast? It was trauma. It was the rethinking trauma because i had some questions because I've, I've got some coaches that say oh, i don't want to work with trauma because of their beliefs and their understanding of trauma and then i started having a lot of people come and asking me and saying oh can you work with trauma and i have a very simplistic view on things and i'm like yes i can if you're ready to move forward literally if you're ready to move forward that's the question i ask them and they're like, yeah, I am ready to move forward. I said, right, let's let's work on it and let's get you moving forward with not only just no anxiety, but like minimal amount of anxiety. You can still get anxious as we all get anxious, but actually not having that label. Anxiety, the label. And I know we're going to talk about the labels and the problem's not the problem. And the problem's not mm -hmm. the problem, I think, is a huge part of what we're going to talk about. Because I'm excited well, that was, to talk about that. That was when we were talking about this, that we said, what, what are we going to, what are we going to, Angle, I'm going to take it from, and that was the yeah, the problem is not the problem. But also, Cuddy, you're dealing with people who are at threshold, aren't you? And they're willing to move forward and do the work because they've realized what they've been doing no longer serves a purpose. Correct. So they're finding they need they're looking for something better. Yes. I most of my clients have been in therapy, they've been in counseling, and they didn't get the result that they wanted, which was I want no to non-existent anxiety yes getting anxious we have to we have to make sure everyone's listening that 
being anxious is a perfectly normal response. It's 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 a little bit of fear that's popping up in our lives. Um, but you can move forward in life without our past traumas really, really driving you to to where you've gotten to at this moment in time. And I think that was a really powerful thing that I've, I'd been able to do with some of the clients that I'd worked with using mind management. Mm-hmm. And that's why I wanted to come on and speak to you. So there are layers in trauma yes. in terms of the depth and I suppose the complexity of it. And a lot of people have a misunderstanding and get fixated on the event Correct. when working with trauma. And a lot of standard therapeutic interventions will focus and fixate on the event. Correct. It's the Andy Austin's IEMT model, isn't it? With a key linchpin is what somebody was thinking at the time, what somebody might have said at the time, an action that didn't take that caused harm to somebody else in that other interaction going on with the other. Yeah. So what you've got is you've got the you've got the physical event, the emotional event. But as Rich and I will often talk about, an event is intrinsically neutral. It is just that an event. Yep. It might be horrific. Yep. But that's our that's our that's our decision we make over the nature of the event. The event is just an event. Correct. The trauma happens in our response to that event. Correct. And it's the response, the trauma is the response. Yes. And that's why when we did the little pre-podcast chat, I knew we were on the same page. Because once I'd, once I'd been working with these clients, it was not the event that there was a problem with. And it was, there's an emotional label that they create themselves, which would be guilt, shame, the decision they made about it. Why was I in that position? Why was I there? And all those kind of things. There's a label and association. I always talk about the monkey mind. So when I'm when I'm working with clients, you know, people can call it the bully between the ears, but I, I work on monkey mind. So when I'm working with somebody right there, I always ask them about their internal thought process, their internal decision-making process. I said, because we can sit there with a smile on the face, but what are you saying quietly to yourself? And it's the labels that we create quietly within ourselves that's actually more damaging the negative self-talk however we want to we, we want to talk about it but the, the negative mm-hmm. self-talk is is just as damaging as a lot of the things that we have and that's that's what I've, I've been working with and that's when i've been working with clients it had turned out that it wasn't the event like you said it wasn't the event it was the decisions about the event the emotions that they attached to the event and the blame that they had for themselves it was the blame <laughs> Well, I think there's a huge array of emotions that get attached Absolutely. to those. Um, I talk about I talk about labels a lot, and we were having some of that discussion before we came in. And Rich and I were having a conversation earlier in the week about my student days and the yep. fact that I had um, lapel badges all the way down my 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 suit jackets because I used to wear tuxedo jackets all the time. Yep, and. Each of those were a phrase that I had picked off a stall that I particularly liked that amused me, that made me smile or laugh or whatever. It was almost like five word commentaries on the world. Yep. 
I chose to put them on and I chose to keep them on my lapels. And every time I changed jacket, I chose the ones that I put on the lapels. And I think the challenge is that sometimes we forget that we choose the labels we wear. Mm. Also, what we've discussed beforehand as well is some people may go and see a therapist or whomever or read up on the interwebs. These are the symptoms of anxiety or depression. And whomever they're dealing with has given that person that label of you're you're anxious, you're depressed. And that person then kind of fulfills that role of being anxious and depressed. And also some of these labels that people do have of, as we mentioned before, Ali, is post-traumatic stress disorder. Yeah. Whereas is it a disorder or is it an injury? And how much can somebody recover from an injury? Because yeah. the words we choose to describe ourselves mm. are important. They in, put an inference on those in terms of our future actions, our capacities, our capabilities and our resilience levels. And that's also where quite often when we're experiencing something adverse, something that isn't working for us in our thinking patterns and responses, the big challenge is finding the language to explain to somebody what's happening with us because we will explain what's happening in that moment or recent not necessarily all of that and that means that quite often there's a very high prevalence of misdiagnosis because of what was presented at that point in time yeah. so trauma may be missed or it may be diagnosed as something alternative to that and as a result you end up with a treatment plan that while addressing the symptoms and what you presented with actually doesn't present or address the root cause of the issue because you didn't have the language at the time to describe that fully or the capacity maybe to describe that fully. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bit like when we had our pre-chat today, I'm probably going to put you on the spot here, is you... Pre-chat? Right, but that lady who you said, it's a bar. We, yes, I always talk about one of my clients because um, uh, she was a phenomenal lady. She was she was put towards me from uh, it was word of mouth actually, um, and we we went through something, and she she she'd mentioned that she'd been through therapy and she'd done counselling, but she still just had this severe anxiety and she was getting fed up of it. And I I asked her, how is it you can do that but you can't do that? And the second I asked. Because that was actually really hard. What she what she was going to do, I mean, that was she was she she the lady can lift more more weight than most people. And the second I asked that question, it just it clicked in place with her. Oh, because that's just a, a bar. And the second she said that, <laughs> she kind of looked around to everything else in her life and went, "Oh, it's just a bar, isn't it?" <laughs> and she just created a new a new thought track and a new conversation of oh it's just a bar and she'd text me i'm like oh i'm on a train i've not been on a train in 12 years can't believe it. i'm on a train I'm, I'm, it's just a bar could it's just a bar just by asking that question that just opens that up in in the moment and then i always check in with her now and I start, we do a few other things together and stuff like that and we always we always check in and i'm like how's the anxiety she went i don't have time for it could i don't have time for anxiety anymore I mean, that's, and that's a fantastic thing to, for, for people to be able to understand that 
I don't have time for anxiety because a lot of the times it does come from the anxiety with or without trauma because there'd be a lot of people saying, well, why have I got anxiety but I've not really gone through a trauma? Um, just come from just recreating those stories and those conversations mm. that build up, build up, build up. Well, I had a, I heard somebody describe um, procrastination quite differently to mm. me this week. And I'm going to apply that in the anxiety discussion as well. Because if we look at the fight, flight, freeze mechanism, yep. then you could say that actually anxiety is a freeze. Yep. If it's a freeze, then what your body's doing is conserving energy in the moment mm -hmm. for further action. You're in energy conservation. That means that um, chances are it it recognizes that you're exhausted that you're overwhelmed that there's too much going on so i need to pull back and let the battery recharge and to refill the tanks because there's future action required there so in some way our brain is saying slow down stop pause yeah it's just that sometimes we misinterpret the signals absolutely yep because the range of which the range of physiology that which so if you've got the logical brain and you've got your emotional brain yeah and that one side is your thinking the other side doesn't have any way of to communicate apart from through your physiology it's got because it's all emotion so it's yep. got to somehow express and create that emotion and your logical brain's going okay we're playing emotional shreds again is that a film is that a book yeah tv program i don't know and it's looking for context for an environment to place that emotional physiological response. Yeah. And then it's doing a bit of guesswork. Yeah. Which is why when you look at the actual anatomy of anxiety, it's very, very similar to excitement. It's just contextually, we will place it in a different box and go, therefore I must be anxious. Mm -hmm. It's also I think as well is people spend, in the Western world probably at least, too much time in their head and not enough in their body. Yeah. Uh, yes, absolutely. I told I don't I totally get where, you, where you're coming with that. And the miscommunication that we have for ourselves for our feelings actually send us into into a, a completely. And I, it's the same. And I know it's a really old way to explain it. Is I I do ask a lot of my clients where 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 does your anxiety start. And they'll always say it starts in my stomach. I feel cramps. I've got the stomach. And, da, da, da. and I always, it, it's just a simple way of, of doing it. It's like when you go on a roller coaster, are you scared? Are you excited? Oh, I'm excited. I love it. And I said, where does that feeling come from? Oh, it's the stomach. And it's the same feeling. But the label that we create to it is what creates that emotional disturbance within ourselves. And it is mislabeling. Mm. So, but are we now not touching on a point of everything is mislabeling? So why are people? And I, th I think it's a phenomenal thing because we were talking about the lady. Well, who, before was... we before we move on, can I just make another point? And that anxiety yeah. is time bound. Anxiety is future paced. Oh, absolutely. And part of the context that our brain looks for is the future thinking. Yep. Now the problem with the future thinking is the number of contingencies that we then have to open up to try and manage also. Because the future is multi-stranded. Multi the present 
is one strand, the past is one strand, the future is multi-stranded. And the further out you go, the more strands there are to manage. And there's, it's a very big word you use there for Ali. I did tell you before we started the podcast, the reason I've been so successful is I'm really simple. <laughs> That's a large word. I'm going to have to go back into my thesaurus when we come back. But however. Which one? Which word? <laughs> Multi-stranded. I was going Marvel Universe there. I'm like, right, now we're in the Spider-Verse. Yeah. Right, now I know where uh -huh. we are. Yeah, that's, yeah, a, that's a very good analogy. The multiverse. Right? Yes. Absolutely. We're creating these multiverses. But we're creating our multiverses from our past experience. So which is. But our past experiences don't actually conclude what's going to happen in the future. No, they don't. Well, they, can't they can't predict the future. Well, I do you know what I was? I was airing on Ali. I was like, no, the, you can't. Nope. I think they can, in some situations, influence our future mm. because they shape our responses in the present, and our responses in our present will then interact in such a way that we almost become self-fulfilling prophecies of our thinking. I mean, literally, I would have said it a lot more simpler. I'm going Spider-Verse, but you're absolutely bang on there, Ali, is we 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 absolutely say what our future is going to come from our past. And that's, it's, it's, it was actually what you were talking about, Ali. It was what you were talking about the other day. And I know you'll have mentioned it in a previous podcast. And I was speaking to another coach about it. Is the if the we if the seed the trauma response is not serving you no longer, it becomes a weed. The trauma response was there for a reason in the past, but it doesn't have to be there for you moving forward. We have to understand it, we have to acknowledge it, and moving on, going, yes, that happened then, but it doesn't mean it's gonna happen now. And I thought your trauma response, the way you used it, was absolutely fantastic, Ali. I, I was like that was I, I did I, I will always mention whenever I talk about that I will always reference you on that one Ali because that was a really great way is our past does not does not predicate our future in any way whatsoever no no but if we have a decision process and a and, and our beliefs about our past it will predicate our future because we're we're, we're definitely going into the multi strands of the universe in future based on the what-ifs of the past. And what we're comfortable with. Correct. How many seconds are there in a minute, Cuddy? There are 60, Ali. I don't how need many, a calculator How many that. seconds are there in an hour? 1,200. How many seconds are there in a morning or an afternoon? Look. I didn't get my math GCSE. <laughs> Did I get the second question right, which is what hasn't right. I'm now going to get to the point. Right. Each of those seconds, each and every single one of those is an opportunity for reinvention. It is. It's our experience made brand new. Absolutely. And we can do analogies and metaphors all day long, but I love the one that, you know, every day is a new chapter in your book. You can rewrite it. It's it's right. It's absolutely right. But with the... I said to you before we started the podcast, do you think... Why are people looking for a label? 
they have a feeling that they feel's not right and they're looking for a label to make that emotional reasoning bang on. Do you remember I told you about the lady that was, I, I, I just met her. Someone said, oh, Kenny, what do you do? I said, oh, I'm a mind management coach. I help people get past anxiety. I keep it as simple as possible. And then she, oh, the exact response was, oh, I think I have post-stress. I always say it wrong, Rich. Post-traumatic stress. Yes. And I was like, why do you need that label? Oh, because I want to know what's, yeah, not, what if there's not anything going wrong? Oh, why do I feel like it this way? Well, let's find out. I think to a certain That's extent, labels can be useful, but it's how that label is applied to that, that person, that individual, and what they take away from that as well. Does the label have to define you? No. That is that not the... Because I always use Tom Stoltman, who um, has autism, and he has his label to empower him. He went, no, no, autism is my superpower. I mean, yeah. that's right there. That's how you use the label. Yes. There's another guy I know, and he's been he's got ADHD diagnosed with it. Yeah. The doctors asked him why he wanted to do it. Did he want medication? He goes, no, I want to have an understanding of what it's all about so my wife and family can have a better understanding of me and how I go about the world. So that, that's a use for a label in a positive sort of aspect, not having to go to medication or that sort of stuff to do whatever that stuff does. Yes. A label isn't useful when you become that label. When it becomes a limiting factor for yeah. you. Like you said, the self self hmm. prophecy. And I hear of so much these days of people are just self-diagnosing. They want that label so they've got an option to, to choose different things in life, which is the self-diagnosis part, which is always a tricky one. Because when I've worked with people, I've always asked them, you know, where, where's that? Because I don't diagnose. I've always said that. I said, look, no, I don't diagnose. Where are you? Where do you want to be? Let's bridge the gap. We've got the tools to bridge the gap. Um, and it, it, the self-diagnosis. So the prop, because coming back to the title of the podcast, which is the problems, not the problem. And I think that's a really powerful understanding for coaches or anything like that is the problem and the stories that we create are probably not the problem. When we deep dive a little bit more uh, by asking those questions, we can find out where the real problem is sometimes, which would be a decision or an emotional um, aspect of it, which is... Or a thought pattern or a belief. Correct. Because those mm. labels can be empowering yep. or they can be a box that constrains us. The yep. choice is ours to make on yeah. that. But yeah. it's also people use these labels as a crutch. So it's look at me... I've got this a victim mindset and oh everybody comes around them helps them out you don't love me unless I have this do you know what we've, we've talked about that an awful I'm glad you've touched about that and I, I think victim mindset should be always explained because if there is a victim out there they'll be like oh well do I have a victim of a mindset it's like no actually I know a lot of people who are I've actually been a victim of something they do not actually have a victim mindset in any way whatsoever but that victim mindset, so I was in, I'll even explain that. I was stuck in victim mindset for about six months. That was actually my depression. I always say that that was my depression. Didn't know it. Nearly lost my wife because of it. Um, nearly lost my job because of it because something happened. I couldn't I couldn't focus on it. Not a trauma in any way. It was me just not understanding something that had happened to me. And I was like, wow, that's what actually sent me on this journey of, of learning and helping others. 
and victim mindset came along and I was like, oh yeah, that's me. Oh God, I have to put my hands up to that. Head down, I'm like, right, okay. And the chemicals we create, which is actually a happiness chemical, keeps us stuck in the depressed state. It keeps us stuck. So we're creating oxytocin, which is the cuddle chemical, because people are coming over and reaffirming, oh. And I was like, wow, how, I mean, what a fantastic thing that we have in our life to create that chemical. But it keeps us stuck in a depressed state. We create the happiness, which keep, keeps us. And I was just like, wow, unbelievable. It keeps us stuck in that mindset. So we feed that importance, that emotional need of importance in a negative way. And if people are not understanding of their, their, their emotional needs, if important importance comes on and you're feeding that negatively, you're going to stay stuck and not going to be able to move forward. And I think that's an absolute fascinating thing for a lot of people to, to, to learn and understand is how we get stuck in our depression because of that, that, that simple mindset. And I think that's an amazing thing for people to talk about. I think that's about the, they're, 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 because sometimes it's the very fine balancing act where we have to assess whether or not it serves our purposes more to stay where we are or move forward. Yep. And that depends on what we want from our lives. Yep. Where we place our repertoire or our list of needs and wants and how we want to achieve that or live our life. Yep. And that comes again to whether or not that label constrains us or empowers us. And and I suppose, what does it what does it deliver for us? It becomes part of our identity, doesn't it? Well, I think we have a choice of the labels we mm. wear and how long I get that. For. I get that. You get that. But people don't understand the power of identity in life. No, and when don't. you explain yeah. the power of identity, there'll be a lot of people look at you and go, "Nah, it's not that simple." I'm like, where's the "I am" statement? It is the "I am," and use it. I think. Look, to explain that for people as well, if a lot of people that have lost their job and that I'm a postman their entire life, when somebody said, Who are you? Oh, I'm a postman. I'm a postman. I'm a postman. You lose your job, you're no longer a postman. That identity of, Well, who am I if I'm not a postman? Well, no, that was your job. That's not your identity. Let's find out who you are. Let's come back to your actual identity. I'm a father. I'm a, I'm a dad. I'm a husband. I'm a brother. I'm a carer. I'm a provider. That's the labels you want to be looking for not that label. And that's why we get stuck in depression because, well, I'm, I'm depressed. Let's find out why. Again, that's a simplification of a bigger picture that we like to create more fear within ourselves with what we create up here than actually what the, 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 the genuine problem is. Again, the problem's not the problem. Well, it's also about where we seek value from. Is it internally yeah. generated mm. or externally generated? Do we do we are we reliant on external validation, or we are or are we capable of internally validating? Now, I'm going to go back to labels because I think sometimes that challenge of misdiagnosis, that challenge of not having the language to describe what we're doing, is a big, big problem. And there are times, particularly with trauma, where Actually, the label is a pivot point for change. Where finally you're able to go, now I get it. Now I understand why I'm experiencing what I'm experiencing because 
for a lot of people that Rich and I work with, actually challenges, they, they come to us and they think it's just them that, that actually I feel, and I don't, don't even want to talk about it because I feel like I'm nuts. This is just, yeah. this isn't the stuff going on in my head and I'm experiencing yeah. stuff and I don't understand why. And I yeah. know there's, there's stuff that's happened in my past and that, and that's probably, they're telling me that's because of it. But why am I still, why is this still happening now? And it's impacting all areas of my life. And one of the first challenges is to start to de-escalate that yep. there's something wrong with me and go, well, actually, mm -hmm. my brain's just doing normal shit. It's just in the wrong place. Yep, absolutely. The amount of times, oh, the labels that we create, it, it, until I knew, so I'll, I'll go, absolutely, until I knew what monkey mind was, I thought I was, I mean, I, I used to sit, so I used to work on cruise ships. So can and, I just clarify for the listeners who might not be a, 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 a familiar with things like the reptilian brain, the mammalian brain, etc. Yeah, absolutely. What you're talking about with that is, is really your, your emotional brain. The, the emotional brain is the monkey mind. It's the mm -hmm. conversations we have with ourselves. If you are not aware of those conversations, how normal they are, and how a lot of the conversations that we have. So the best way I explain monkey mind is when you go to bed at night time, your head hits the pillar and the floodgates open up. Everything that's happened to you in the day, the week, the month, the year just starts going round and round and round. And you sat there, you're laid in bed going, why can't I turn this off? Then we have an interrupted sleep. We can't go. I couldn't have a conversation with my wife. We would go out for a meal and I was so locked up in here. I couldn't have a conversation with my wife. And my wife was like, we've sat here for an hour. I've asked you four questions. You've not responded and you are locked up in here. And that was when I went to the doctor and I said, what is it? I said, I said and they were like, oh, you're having suicidal thoughts? I went, no, not really. I said, no. Oh, it's depression. And that was like, well, what do you mean it's depression? Oh, well, here's a tablet for it. I'm like, nope. Nope. What? I said, what else do I do? And the doctor just sat and looked at me and went, yeah, it's, it's a tricky one. And that's why I actually did originally get into uh, NLP. That was the first thing. I Googled, mm -hmm. right, how do I get past depression? I Googled it. And all these books popped up. I'm like, what is NLP? What is NLP? What is NLP? And I got more and more into it. I'm like, oh my God, I do that. And right, for anyone, for anyone, I always recommend one book. One book, Stop Thinking, Start Living by Richard Carlson. Because that literally, I was like, every chapter, tick, tick. <laughs> That's me. That's me. Not looking for a label, but I'm like, all right, okay, so this is normal. This is normal. Because when you sat there going, what is wrong with me? Again, Rich. Ali, primary questions. It's the questions that we ask. We get we, we get those re results and the, the replies. And if you've not slept well or if you've not looked after yourself, the, the, the retorts and the, the answers to the questions are vile, putrid. Why did I do this? Because you're an arsehole. Because you're this. Because you're that. These start compounding and creating these these labels that we have with ourselves. And it's always, it's always wanting to get that message out to people to write. Let's work on that because that's probably the problem. That's not the problem. It's, let's go. Well, that's the difference, isn't it, between trying to fix the symptom or fix the root cause, find mm. the root cause and resolve that. And that's, do you know what, <laughs> Rich is sat there going, but that's the premise of the logo at Priority Mind Management. Mm -hmm. Anxiety is the symptom. It's not the problem. We get to, mind management gets to the root cause. We pull it out. And guess what? You start flourishing. Those leaves grow. That's the whole premise. The problem's not the problem. Anxiety, stress, 
depression are a symptom of something over here. So while you're going to the doctors and talking about this, and I'm not shaming doctors in any way, I think doctors probably have such a tough time because they've got 10 minutes to listen to you and go, right, it's probably this, do this. But it's not over there. It's over here. That's why we always say the problem is not the problem. So thanks. Right. Okay. There's your anxiety. Right. I need to talk to you over here because that's where the problem is. I love that. That's that was the whole premise of the logo. The problem is not the problem. And that's that's also where that rethinking part comes from because in that rethinking, and I'm going to be quite controversial here. Anything that changes that thinking pattern has the capacity to create enough space for us to have that light bulb moment that goes shit, that's what's happening. And that's when our inner truth shifts. Because we can logic something to death, but unless it feels true for us, nothing changes. And sometimes when our heads are so full of all those, those inner dialogues, inner critics, those circular thinking that we all have experienced from time to time, we don't have space to step back and actually observe what's actually happening and where it's actually come from. Mm-hmm. We don't have space to reflect on what is our inner truth. Now, so what, a question. Sorry, carry on, Ali. Well, for me, for some people actually going to the GP and, and getting a prescription might help create that because it slows the thinking down. For others, it's a conversation with people like Rich or or yourself, Cuddy, or myself. Yeah. And that choice has to be an individual choice. Yeah. Mm. Well, the question is then, what are you going to rethink and transition into mm-hmm. to do? And that's where the fun begins. That's where mm. there are so many possibilities. And I think you said, I think, I think you used the right word there, fun, because I, I, what you see is what you get with me. And I've, I, when, I, when, I, when I'm working with clients, when we do like the chemistry call, I'm like, look, a few things you need to know. I'm not a therapist. <laughs> and I'm not a counsellor. I'm solution B. Where are you? Where do you want to be? You have to be able to like the fact that I've got a silly haircut. I'm 46. And I'll probably have a little bit of jovialness while we're doing this. Are you all right with that? And the amount of clients that say to me, do you know that? I think that's what I'm looking for, to be honest with you. I'm looking to realize it's probably not as bad as what I think. And I can move forward. And I'm like, that's the secret to the source right there. For that transition and rethinking it is a powerful thing. Well, log me my inner self be eight years old. (laughs) That's a Scottish thing. Rich... Have you heard that before? Because I'm like, right, I don't know where we're going with this, but no. long me, but yeah, absolutely. So I'm guessing that's about being curious about as who you are and who you can be and the world around you. Curious and open-eyed and being able to explore that curiosity with a level of wonder. Mm. I love exploring the world with wonder do you know how many times that upsets people <laughs> lots yeah it yeah i have so, a lot of people is like you know you, you're just not serious enough i'm like yeah. nope you're absolutely right that's me 
the weekend I was with a friend of mine and he brought his two kids along. So we went off to go and get some coffees and all that sort of stuff. And I was chatting to his five-year-old across the table. And he was telling me how the universe worked, about stegosauruses. And then later on, he he was chatting about how the eye worked and all that sort of stuff. Brilliant. Yeah. I bet that was the best conversation of the weekend. It was. You can learn a lot from a five-year-old. You can. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. I think that's where you remember exactly what an amazing place the world is. Yeah. When you're curious about it. Hmm. Yeah. I've really enjoyed today. Stay here. And I know that we're coming back, so I'm coming back with uh, Graham, my business partner. The primary you are manager. indeed, yes. That'd be awesome. Hi. Uh, look, uh, thank you very much for inviting me in. Absolute pleasure. Um, for anyone that is listening, I think they should absolutely get in contact with you two, um, Rich and Ali. I, 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 I like the fact that people are trying to rethink trauma, destigmatize it, lessen the actual scare and fear around it is a, is an important part i think for the conversation it's okay to have a label as long as it doesn't define you because and I, I will always say the the problem's not the problem mm-hmm. you're absolutely right the problem's not the problem thank you yeah thank, thank you for coming on Cody. thank Absolute you so much pleasure. and we'll I... yeah if anybody wants to get in front and touch with Cuddy, then we'll pass on his, your contact details and... yeah we'll put your details and show notes and all that sort of stuff perfect not a problem. I can't wait. Send me a link and I'll share it for everybody because mm-hmm. it's a, it's a great conversation to have. And the more people that that have trauma and think they're stuck with it for the rest of their life, nope, you don't have to be stuck with it for the rest of your life no, in any way not. whatsoever. And remember, the problem is not the problem. It never is. Thank you. Have a lovely day, Cuddy. Thank you, Cuddy. And yeah, take take care. Thank you very much. Bye, bye. Bye, bye. So, what did we talk about with Cuddy? So we talked about labels and how there's that prestige with some therapists and they can give somebody a label that's not necessarily useful. But labels can be useful for people to say, yeah, okay, I understand where I am and now I can move on from here. So we talked, so that's that comes back to that idea, isn't it, of are you going to choose your label to enable you? Yeah. Or... To constrain you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We talked about is the problem really the problem? Root cause. Root mm-hmm. cause. And are you at threshold yet or wanting to move on from where you are currently? What's keeping you where you are? Yeah. Can you pick that bar up and move on? Yeah. And the capacity for change that's always open to us. Yeah. And as well as, is your mind in the Spider-Verse or is it in the universe? How far out in your timeline are you? Mm -hmm. And the other one that I really liked was, see, throw me now with the multiverse reference because my head's off off exploring Mm -hmm. the multiverse now again. We talked about exploring that world with wonder, didn't we? Mm. that's also about our capacity to envision something different for us and be open to possibilities and you'll be amazed who you can learn from even if if it's something you think you already may know or you may have forgotten that thing yeah 
And we also talked about the challenge sometimes between our logical side and our emotional side and how those are two very different languages. And sometimes yeah. messages get a bit fritzed in the process. Mm-hmm. And are you stuck in your head? And do you need to get back into your body? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where can I find us, Ali? You can find us on YouTube, on LinkedIn, on Facebook. So all you have to do is is um, do a search for Rethinking Trauma and Transition and we'll probably pop up in the lists all over the place. You can listen to our podcast on Spotify, on Apple, on CastBox, on umpteen different... Oh, Amazon Music umpteen different podcast channels now and you can leave us messages and comments as well which we always like to see yeah cool and if they want to work with either you or i rich they can get hold of me email me info at resilientdefense.co.uk or ali at mojoandmind.com and again all of the contact details are in the show notes and we'll put cuddies in there as well if anybody wants to conversation with cuddy awesome Until next time. Thank you a lot watching and listening. Thank you. Thank you.